If you look around all the friends and partners who you've let into your life and you discover there's kind of a high proportion of train wrecks and jerks, guess what? Your red flag detector is broken. Mm -hmm. It's broken. It's supposed to be warning you when bad people try to walk into your life. This goes for bosses and jobs too. You're supposed to get a bad feeling. You're supposed to get an aversion to people in situations that are going to hurt you. Now what shuts down that crucial function is abuse and neglect in your childhood. It's not your fault that you got wounded like this, but now it's you and only you who can start healing that red flag detector. And it's got to be a healing priority because as long as hurtful people have a way into your life and your heart, you're going to be vulnerable to one of the absolute worst wounds of childhood PTSD. Now, how does that happen and how do you heal it? I'm Anna Runkel, also known as the crappy childhood fairy, and I teach people how to recover from the long-term soul-sucking symptoms that can haunt you when you grew up with abuse and neglect. Now, I want to drive home the tremendous cost of having no filter on who gets into your life because what ends up happening is where people who love you are supposed to be, you end up with people who are not that connected to you or they're incapable of loving and caring for anyone or you end up with people who are just plain using you. And the people you need to depend on, which everyone needs, they're not there. So what happens when your detector is broken is your life ends up riddled with very, very broken people. And people who in the end are gonna leave you more wounded than you are right now. I know about this because I lived practically blind to red flags for a lot of years. And I'm telling you, the problem it's like a runaway train. It builds momentum. It goes faster over time. It doesn't go away by itself. The more bad people get into your life, the more your boundaries just fall apart. And then even worse people get in. And each time it sucks a little more of the life out of you. Your red flag detector is crucial. If you're going to be happy and heal, you're going to need to learn to quickly recognize people who are not good for you. And you can't do that when your detector is broken. Luckily, you can bring your red flag detector back to life and I'll show you how. So what are red flags? They are the signs that unhealthy people give off that signal that they're not safe, not what they appear to be, or not emotionally available. Now, sometimes they'll tell you the red flag in words right to your face. They'll say things like you're dating someone and they say, now, just to let you know, I'm really not looking for a relationship. That is a flashing red light, right? But have you ever ignored it thinking, ah, they probably don't mean it. I'll change them. There's a terrible price to be paid for that. But that's how powerful CPTSD can be in distorting not just our thinking, but our hearing, what we see right in front of our eyes. Now, sometimes the signs are more subtle. You have to listen for them. You have to test the waters. Now, healthy, aware people notice these signs and respond you know, appropriately. They don't open the door. People with CPTSD lose the ability to accurately read those subtle signs and we get ensnared. Have you ever met somebody new and you were really excited about them? And then when people who love you and care about you met this person, they had that kind of like puzzled and incredulous expression, like what's she doing? That's a sign of their red flag detector working when yours has not. And I've done that. And the worst thing is, you know, on some level, that you're being dumb, that this new friend or boyfriend or whatever is no good for you. But you know how people say that phrase, once you see the truth, you can't unsee it. Well, with CPTSD, it's amazing. We can unsee it. It goes 
right into the black hole of non-awareness. Even though going blank in that way at that moment is like the worst thing you can do. So why on earth would anyone do something so self-destructive? I'm going to tell you eight reasons and you can see how many of them apply to you. Okay, the first reason is when you were little, you had too much exposure to chaos and fear. Do you remember that feeling? Hearing your parents fight, seeing drug use or violence, being told everything's fine when anyone with eyes could see things were not fine. Witnessing your parents not keeping things safe for everyone, but putting everyone in danger or not telling the truth, it's so damaging, especially when you're a kid and you can't do anything about it. But what happens is you just learn to turn off your good sense and your perception about what's okay and what's not okay. And this is what happened. You taught yourself to override your own natural instincts. Maybe you're still doing it. Shutting yourself down when you're afraid, just going, I don't know, is this bad or is it just me? And when you do this, you're not actually being brave. You're not conquering anything. You're just numb. And you might learn how to look like you're okay. And you might even learn to be okay on a lot of levels. But what's missing is the good kind of vulnerability that you need. It's gone. And what is that vulnerability? It's you being able to feel things. So when you lose that, what else do you lose? Your ability to know and sense the intentions of other people, to detect threats. People can abuse you and you turn your vulnerability off. And with it, your ability to judge it and gauge it and just think this isn't right. Now, checking out like that didn't start as a bad thing back when you were in the middle of some abusive situation and you were powerless to stop it or get away. Getting numb when you're powerless is a way up and out. Numb is protection. Thank goodness we were numb or we would have been much more gravely hurt by what we were exposed to as kids. But now going numb when things get tough means someone who's no good for you appears and you what? You feel nothing or you feel a craving for companionship and love, which is normal, but you don't get that, uh-oh, this person would actually not be good for me. They have an addiction or they are lying to me or they're just not that into me. Okay, another thing that impairs your red flag detection is dysregulation when something is intensely frightening. Let's say you're in a car with someone who's driving crazy because they're angry and you get so frightened that you're just flustered. You can't put your thoughts in a sequence. So you're not in denial exactly and you're not numb, but the kind of quick thinking and power to take action that you need to get out of the car, you can't access it. It's like a bad dream. It's like you see that red flag but you can't act on it. That can happen with dysregulation. And if you watch my videos, I talk about dysregulation a lot. I teach about it. I have courses and I'll put links to those down below in the description section. But dysregulation is when your brain waves change from a coordinated flow when you're calm to a jagged chaotic pattern when you're stressed. Your senses and thinking aren't working right. Your emotions, they just come in bursts. They're too much. Or, and, then, and then it'll be like nothing. And this leaves you wide open to people who shouldn't be there, who normally you'd feel repelled by. But there you are with them, like a deer in the headlights. Another thing that happens, especially when there are unhealthy people in your life, is they pressure you to override your natural fears. You know, that sort of like, come on, I dare ya mentality, or calling you chicken, or calling you a prude, pushing you to do something that you don't actually want to do, that you feel is wrong or dangerous. And if you don't have good boundaries and you grew up denying your own reality, it's fairly easy to abandon your own good instincts just because someone told you to. And where does that get you? 
alone, lost, and in danger. Okay, another way to lose the ability to detect screaming red flags. You second guess yourself. If you were abused or neglected as a kid, I'll bet you do that a lot. You think, did that person just threaten me? Or I don't know, eh, it's probably just me. This is the worst thing you can do. Going so long through life, never clear whether you're in danger or just imagining things will actually leave you in danger. And think how valuable it would be if you knew that difference fairly easily, if it came naturally to you. You can do that, and I'll give you some tips in a moment. The biggest reason you end up throwing away your time and the good things in your life is out of the need for people. With CPTSD, that need can be so deep and so unmet, so desperate, that you'll basically put up with a bad person just so there's someone to hang out with. Have you ever done that? You know on some level you're doing it and you're ashamed of yourself, but when something feels like that, pay attention to it. This is the first step, in fact, to healing that ability to detect problems and danger. So let's talk about that. I wanna give you four steps to heal this, okay? The first thing you've gotta do is to get clear. Now, how do you do that? You write it down so that you can't get vague about it. The characteristics of people who are not good for you. Now, in my course on dating and relationships, I teach, I, the whole course starts with learning how to get very, very clear about what you want and what you don't want. And if that interests you, I'll put the links down in the description section below too. But to bring your red flag detector back to life, you start by being clear. Who could hurt you? Who could derail your life or put your kids in jeopardy? Name the things that can do that. Things like abusive behavior, criminal behavior, drugs, alcoholism, untrustworthiness, serious psychological problems, emotional unavailability, or inappropriate people, a boss or professor or a married person, for example. Okay, then, and we're still on how to get clear, coming back, into the list of things that you can't let into your life again, write down, if you were gonna do this right this time, how would you more effectively discover if the people you meet have these red flag signs? How could you tell? On some level, you know, but you've gone vague about it before, right? So how could you tell? If someone was abusive, they might not act like it on the first date, right? It might take time, but you'd see other signs, how they treated animals, for example, or server, how they treated servers in restaurants. How would you know if someone had an addiction? That's something I used to have trouble detecting right off the bat. When people have serious addictions, they have to be pretty good at hiding it, and that's what they do. But if you spend time with them without getting all attached to them, you will start to see the signs, but you have to get to know someone, and that takes time. And it takes time when you're not already bonded with them. Okay. Now let's say you go on a first date with someone. They're great. They're awesome. Does that mean it's safe to get super intimate with them that day? Not if you have a, re a broken red flag detector. Nope. And so my next tip for getting your red flag detector working again is with new relationships where your detector hasn't had a chance to suss things out. Here's what you do. You slow things down. Slow is your friend with CPTSD. Slow doesn't come naturally, but it's the way that you can stay conscious during the getting to know you process, not rushing into a relationship or making them into a newfound best friend or soulmate. You take your time and you observe how they are in daily things. You can think of it like you have a developmental delay. You're developing the ability to detect problems and danger. Some people learn this earlier, you're learning it now. So let yourself practice by keeping things slow and deliberate. If this is hard for you, 
Get a friend you trust to be your sounding board. Getting out of delusion is like climbing out of rushing water. Someone has to be standing on the banks to pull you out, okay? So check in about people. Check in about your intention to go slowly and the list of things that you put on your list of like, I cannot do this again. If you're like me, you feel shame about the mistakes of the past. And when some little part of you knows you're screwing up again, you tend to get very secretive and just show people the outer niceties and not tell them your concerns or the real problems going on. If you're ready to heal the pattern, have that person, tell them everything and invite them to give you feedback on it. Shine sunlight on the problem areas of your life, okay? The fourth thing, and you were probably wondering when I would get around to this, because I always say this, use my daily practice to clear out the fearful and resentful thoughts that gum up your clear thinking and perception. Seriously, try it for seven days. Find out if it helps you. These are very specific techniques I teach. They help me to recover and I teach them to help you get, get those thoughts out of your mind and then rest your mind so that you can emerge each time you do the daily practice with a big jump up in clarity. So bit by bit, it's really powerful and it's one of those things that can't be explained. You just have to experience it. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.